Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash watsonassistant to learn more. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, just try and make you some money. My job, not just to entertain, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. We're going to win the war against COVID. Science is prevailing. Thanks to Pfizer, we'll likely have a vaccine that's available to all by the end of the, soon as the end of the first quarter. And that news sent the market soaring to record intraday highs before pulling back toward the end of the day, being dragged down by the Nasdaq. Those, the Dow still ultimately surging 835 points. S&P skyrocketing 1.17%. But that tech-heavy Nasdaq, the domain of so many stocks that did well under COVID tyranny, lost an astounding 1.53%. What a bifurcation. Of course, it's not just the miraculous Pfizer data, a vaccine that's more than 90% effective. We would be happy with 50%. It's also the timing. We're in the middle of a terrifying spike of infections. New cases are exploding all over the country, over 100,000 a day, even on weekends, 10 million cases. We're much better treating the virus than we were in the spring. That means lethalities, much better. That only matters if we have enough hospital beds and we are running out of capacity. A lot of people seem to have a very cavalier attitude. Hey, you'll be fine unless you're old. Well, guess what? A, A lot of us are old. Feels like we're living in a remake of Logan's Run, the dystopian science fiction movie where everyone gets killed when they turn 30. And the sentence is understood and respected. When you have more than 100,000 new infections every day and 4% of the elderly die of this thing, you're looking at a lot of fatalities. We desperately need this vaccine. The truth is, we tried to fight the pandemic state by state. That failed. Granted, Europeans, the Europeans are failing too. I know, I know. But you know what? Asia's doing great. If we were serious about contact tracing, social distancing, and wearing masks, we actually might be in the same situation as China, Singapore, Taiwan, or South Korea. They all have it under control. Their economies are humming. But somehow public health became a partisan issue in this country, and we couldn't do it. It's incredible. Do you know that we have the best contact tracing technology thanks to a joint effort from Google and Apple? Doesn't matter. People don't want to hand over their data, even if they'll share every detail of their lives on Instagram. Masks? Very hard, given that President Trump won't stop trash-talking him. And, you know, I got this mask contest going on, which you can see at xprize.org slash mask. The idea is to design one made by use that's more enticing. But I worry it may not even matter, given that so many people refuse to wear them as a political statement. Unfortunately, we're still going to need masks, and we have a long winter ahead of us. If you want an analogy, I found it, I thought about this because of my dad, who was in the Sixth Army, and it's Veterans Week, so I think about him. I think about them all the time. I really think about Veterans Week. And it, it reminds me of the tail end of World War II, when the U.S. Army still had two, well, in the Marines, had to fight through two Iwo Jima and Okinawa, two islands. But thanks to the Manhattan Project, we never had to invade Japan itself. So the stock market party today, but not everybody got an invite. 
This rally belongs to the recovery plays, the cruise lines, the real estate investment trusts, casinos, airlines, and the oils all put up t- terrific t- takeover-sized gains. I think they've gotten ahead of themselves because Pfizer will only have enough for vaccine for 25 million people this year and 650 million next year. But these stocks are all heavily shorted, and the short sellers panicked because nobody expected Meg Terrell to come in this morning and say, you know what, guys, 90 percent. Pfizer. I recommend selling the real estate investment trusts that own retail and office space to areas that won't be coming back anytime soon. Don't fool yourself. I dump the oils tomorrow as there's just not a lot of upside. Every time the price of crude goes up, the producers turn the spigot back on. Don't worry. They'll all recommend them tomorrow. That's all they know how to do. You can keep Chevron. You can keep Pioneer Nat. The others sold to you. Travel and leisure, though, I think you can hold them because they'll see reservations for the future in 20. 21. Meanwhile, the bank stocks caught fire because interest rates made a huge comeback. In other words, rates went up based on the belief that the economy is now about to roar into high gear. Higher rates mean the banks can earn a lot more money. I thought they had staying power midday, but then they got out of control. We ended up selling some from my travel trust. You can follow by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. I mean, I got to tell you, I'm sure a bunch of rabid analysts will recommend them tomorrow. And if you haven't sold any, you're going to do so. Financials keep running like this. You got to sell them in a strength. Now, I think you can hold Visa and MasterCard. They benefit from international travel. Now, I throw in American Express, but the darn thing was up 21% today. I mean, give me a break. Give me a break. There's like no volume. I can see the airlines and the rails giving you more upside. A vaccine opens up travel, gives you more places to go. I bet the airlines will have a multi-day move because the Pfizer news means they'll be able to survive. Meanwhile, the rails, I don't know how they become unstoppable, but even Union Pacific, remember we talked about it? They had a so-so quarter. Well, it jumped 4% today. It's now well above where it was when the bad quarter occurred. The industrials have been running for weeks, like the rails, and they tacked on still one more big move. They, too, are getting long in the tooth. Tough to figure out how high they can go. But, but if they have business with China, you can hold them if you believe that the Trump challenges fail. That's why I love Boeing here. If we get that vaccine widely distributed and the 737 MAX gets approved by year end, which I think it will, the sky could be the limit for this one. Ha <laughs> ha. As I plan to tell members of the, uh, of the club on Wednesday's 1130 call, Boeing suppliers should do well. Remember, if China wants to toss an olive branch toward a new president, buying a slew of Boeing planes is the best way to do it. All right, now let's get tough. What do you do with the COVID stocks, the ones that benefited the stay-at-home economy? They're getting crushed because we might not have to stay home as long as we thought. So do we dump Zoom and Peloton, forget about Clorox, swap out of the quick-serve restaurants, uh, swap into the indoor dining place? I think you have to be prepared for a multi-day sell-off in the COVID names. These stocks have had huge gains. They're ripe for profit-taking. You have my blessing to sell some, but don't sell them all, because we still need to make it through a brutal winter with no vaccine. And we're not going to every day wake up and say, you know what, I don't have to clean, because we're getting a vaccine. From there, we have to get selective. Some are worth owning for other reasons. I like the stock of Apple because it's got huge China exposure. And for better or worse, a Biden administration means better relations with Beijing. It's certainly better for Apple. That stock shouldn't have sold off today. But it's tougher to embrace the hygiene stocks for the moment. I think they represent real long-term value because the pandemic has changed the habits of the entire world, just like the Great Depression turned a whole generation against banks. However, you have to let the pantry and cleaning product stocks come down a bit because the Pfizer news is like the atomic bomb, an unexpected de- de- detonation that's going to take some time to process. Toughest of all, the ones I really spent a lot of time thinking about was Amazon and the shipping plays. Even if today's 5% shellacking, Amazon's trading like the pandemic will last much longer. On the other hand, it's an incredible company, and I'm not sure how much market share they'll really lose when things go back to normal. United Parcel's ready with freezer farms to ship the vaccine. We just learned that from CEO Carol Tomei. FedEx seems to be ready, too. I think it'll be safe to buy all three of these by the end of the week, but it, it could be rough until we get there. The bottom line, 
We were headed higher anyway, thanks to certainty about who won the election. Remember, certainty is more important than who won in some cases, like this case. But the Pfizer news represents a new chapter for the market that justifiably sent some stocks soaring. I expect the reopening plays to keep climbing while the COVID winners get hammered for the rest of the week. But some of the reopening plays should be sold into strength, particularly the banks, while the better COVID names will be worth buying into the weakness that you'll see by week's end, if not before them. I need to go to Mitch in Arizona. Mitch. Jim, how are you, sir? I am very good, Mitch. How about you? Oh, not bad. Uh, I'm a little disturbed. There should have been some high flyers like Peloton and PayPal that recently reported earnings. What I could see looked very good report, yet the stock is down particularly today. What's going on? Well, I mean, look, I think that obviously people think that a vaccine means we'll go back to uh, having the Planet Fitness Club. Uh, and by the way, let me just, you know, I mean, when you look at, at these companies, they've had very, very big runs. So let's not let, I don't think we want to necessarily draw any conclusion on the fact that if, if they've had such a monster run that it may not make sense to it makes sense to do a little profit taking on both on both names, both names. Jeff in California, Jeff. Hey, Jim, I'm calling from downtown L.A. about three months ago, Jim. On a pretty good earnings report, AYX or Alteryx fell about 36%, and it came back a little bit when they got that new CEO who was just hired. Now, a few days ago, AYX fell about 21% on another earnings report. When I went online to see the actual earnings report, Jim, it said, quote, AYX exceeded all expectations. It met most of its goals. So, Jim, on minus 3,400 with AYX, do I simply take the loss? No, no, the- no. Al- look, uh, Alterex has a program, and the program takes the place of a lot of what does Alterex really do? It makes it, I'm going to be really simplistic here, it makes it so people who don't know coding well uh, can code better than people who actually know coding well. And if you tell me that that's going out of style, I'll tell you that is not the way it works in America. I want to go to Jamal in Michigan. Jamal. How you doing, Jimmy Chill? Jimmy Chill doing well. Hey, how about the way I had to hit some people this weekend? Right between the eyes and Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah a little what for there. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> I love your show. I'm watching it. Thank you. Every night. Um, I just wanted to uh, ask you a question about Splunk. Um, I owned the share for a while now. And I bought the shares about a month ago. And uh, it's been going up and down now. And today right. I didn't have a good day. I just want to know if I should buy some more Look, shares. Look, I think you got to give it some room. It's regarded as being a company that does well uh, with COVID. That's actually not true. It just does well. Uh, and, you know, we are huge believers in the company. And when it sells off, almost every time we have told Doug Merritt to come on or we have said, look, it's a buy. So my advice to you, and then thank you, Jamal, for saying you like the show, is that this stock could probably head. I wouldn't shock me to go to 180. But remember, this is one of the great stocks of our era, and I do not want to give up on it. All right, listen up. Looks like we are going to win this war against COVID. And a lot of people didn't think that was possible, even as recently as, say, about 12 hours ago. And that's why this market can head even higher. But remember, it's not necessarily a market. It's different stocks, some that do well under COVID and some that do not as well. On May tonight, I'm eyeing two that do not as well, which is uh, Roku and Trade Desk to find out if the work from home theme can continue to deliver in this market or is it over? 
Ben, I'm kicking off my celebration Veterans Day with the CEO of Polaris to talk about the company's work with American heroes and how news of potential vaccine could impact the great outdoor trade. And with President-elect Joe Biden getting ready to move into the White House, I'm talking with the CEO of L3 Harris to find out what it means for the defense sector. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions, no fees. Binge on 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, and everything from hit movies to the latest news, comedy, live sports, and more. Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, or Fire TV and start watching now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. to this morning's fabulous vaccine news from Pfizer and BioNTech. It rocketed stocks to record highs. Well, all the stay-at-home economy plays that it roared last week slammed headfirst into a concrete retaining wall. Even as the rest of the market caught fire, although, boy, I'll tell you something, by the end of the day, the, the ones that were, the NASDAQ was crushing the listed stocks, also known as the uh, the Dow Jones. Look, I think many of the top COVID-19 winners could have even more short-term downside. All right. You hear that? Because I know a lot of you have asked me that on Twitter. Because the very real prospect of an effective vaccine, one that's 90%, when we're hoping 50, 60, like a flu, that is a huge deal. That's a shocker. However, it's going to take time to produce. It's going to take time to distribute. You can't just roll it out overnight. So we're stuck with a stay-at-home economy for the moment. I know it's just for the moment, but that will matter. More importantly, even once everybody's vaccinated, some of the changes from the last eight months could be a lot more permanent than others. And we're going to highlight them all week because I know you want to know which ones need to be sold, which can be kept. So let's take cord cutting. Now, last week, I had a pair of blowout quarters from Roku in the trade desk, two of my favorite cord cutting plays, as you know. Roku's technology is the preferred way to stream video from the Internet directly to your TV. Not going away, people. The Trade Desk is a digital advertising firm that specializes in video. Oh, boy, they got crushed today. Roku telling more than 12% Trade Desk, 47% after a great quarter last week. But I got to admit, they, they were due for some profit taking. Despite today's slacking, Roku's still up 10% for November. Trade Desk is up more than 30%. Not over the last year. Not over the past six months. Over the last six trading days. Last week, I told you to wait for a pullback, and that's what we're getting. I think you should buy them into gradually into the weakness and not aggressively at all. Then why bother them? Why bother even with them? Why look at them? Why not dump all the stay-at-home plays now that we have a workable COVID vaccine? Well, because cord cutting is a powerful long-term theme. And that's what we call a secular trend, okay? I always, people, they're cyclical and they're secular, meaning it doesn't need the economy to do well. People were dumping their cable subscriptions for web-based video services long before the pandemic. In other words, COVID's not giving these companies a temporary boost. See, they were already headed in the right direction. The virus simply stepped on the accelerator. The court cutters aren't going to go back once they get vaccinated. But it's like, oh, hold it just a second. I just got vaccinated. Let me bring cable TV in. 
Let's start with Roku. This stock's a real wild trader, but I've been pretty consistently positive on it since we spoke to CEO Anthony Wood a year and a half ago. Since then, the stock has really tripled. That said, we haven't always gotten Roku right. You always have to, you know, can't cherry pick. You got to say, listen, when we screwed it, screwed it up, we screwed it up. We foolishly dumped it from the Kramer COVID-19 index after the first month because it was the worst performer in May. In retrospect, colossal mistake by me. The stock's more than doubled since we took it out. When this stock stalls out, it's generally been a good idea to treat that as a buying opportunity. And we're going to, you know, muscle memory says, let's be interested in the stock here. Just look at the incredible quarter that Roku reported last Thursday not, uh, after the close. Not only did the company shoot the lights out with massively better than expected sales, up a staggering 73% year-over-year, year, but they even delivered a surprise profit, earning $0.09 cents a share. Wall Street was looking for a disastrous $0.42 cent loss, and that would have just been Wow. Now, now, they added 2.9 million incremental active users. When you talk about companies that have added people, that's in the pantheon of uh, the Amazon pantheon, okay? They have now 46 million people, about 700,000 more than analysts anticipate. The average revenue per user was up 20% year over year, much higher than expected. So they bring a customer in and make more money. While management refused to give official guidance, too much uncertainty, they still gave us some broad strokes. Roku is projecting fourth quarter revenue growth in the mid 40% range, similar to the last few holiday seasons. I think this is a classic case of UPOD, frankly, which is under-promise and over-deliver, because COVID infections have spiraled out of control, which means this may be a very Roku Christmas, and we're not going to look through it to the 90% of Pfizer vaccine. What's driving the strength? Okay, for those of you who don't know, Roku used to be a gadget maker. They sold a device that lets you watch your favorite digital programming on your TV. But then they got smart and started licensing their technology to the TV makers themselves. Now they have a whole platform that comes pre-installed, helps advertisers find their audience. For example, here's a good, this is a classic one that I found when I was doing the, the study on this piece. Snyder's of Hanover, owned by Campbell Soup, found that Roku, Roku users who saw their ads spent five times more on their pretzels than the average shopper, meaning they saw a 250% return on that spending. People, that is hard Evidence that you should use these guys. Roku says that that's why marketers are moving their ad budgets away from traditional TV and towards streaming TV. That's not going to change because of the 90% vaccine. In fact, their ad impressions were up nearly 90% year over year. That's a massive acceleration from 50% in the previous quarter. First time advertising clients more than doubled. Listen to this. 97% of TV advertisers who spent more than a million dollars with Roku a year ago continue to be customers this past quarter. Meanwhile, they're making more and more deals with streaming content providers, including the parent company of this network. Now, we heard a similar story from another company that way outperformed, the Trade Desk, TTD. That helps companies manage data-driven digital advertising campaigns, especially against streaming content. I have been pounding the table on this one since we first spoke to CEO Jeff Green about a year and a half ago. He totally wowed me. Since then, the stock has more than quadrupled, with most of that coming in 2020. And those who remember that interview at the end of it, I said, I can't believe this story. I mean, this story is too good to be true. When the trade desk report on Thursday night, the results were a thing of beauty. Revenues up 90, 32% year over year, much stronger than expected. Earnings coming in at $1.27. Analysts were only looking for 45 cents. Think about that. That's 69% earnings growth year over year. Even better, management gave you an extremely bullish forecast for the next quarter. A lot of companies won't even give you a forecast. More specifically, the trade desk said their connected TV business more than doubled year over year. Again, that's cord cutting, secular growth. Company says advertisers love streaming TV because it means they can run data-driven campaigns. It's much more targeted than traditional TV advertising. They can prove the, re- the return on investment. The trade desk sees streaming ads as an alternative to YouTube or Facebook. You can do the same kind of targeting without risk of your ads showing up next to potentially horrifying user-generated content. You know I love Facebook. Stand a lot today. 
But people say lots of crazy stuff on social media, and some companies don't necessarily want their ads appearing next to it. Meanwhile, mobile video and audio are both up 70%. Companies taking market share left and right. While COVID has certainly created a ton of uncertainty, the trade desk says that's helped them because it's made advertisers more deliberate about getting the most bang for the buck. That's exactly what these guys do. Bang for the buck is uh, slang for return on investment. Putting it all together, the connected TV landscape is clearly changing, and it's not just about the pandemic. The old-fashioned TV outfits used to be competitors for these companies. Now they're partners. Why? Because the old-fashioned media companies have launched their own streaming services and they need help. you got Disney+, Plus, you got Peacock, you got HBO Max. That's huge for both Roku and the Trade Desk. The other huge shift? These companies now represent viable alternatives to Facebook and Google. Advertisers love marketing their products using TV programming, but they also want to run targeted, data-driven campaigns. Streaming makes that possible. Most importantly, though, it's become crystal clear that cord cutting is here to stay. This is not some temporary phenomenon, a trend that will vanish once we're all vaccinated. Cord cutting was here before the virus. It will be here after the virus. Yes, it's been shotgun faster, but you know what? It's still going on. Bottom line, now that we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I believe that, investors are dumping the COVID winners. But some of the changes from the last eight months, I think, will be more permanent than people realize. The pandemic didn't cause a temporary change to the way we watch TV. It simply pushed through multiple years' worth of change in a matter of months. That's why, on the way down, I still like Roku and the trade desk. You've got to be careful. You buy them all at once, you'll tweet me and say you crushed me. I don't want that tweet. Jimmy Chill says, buy it to weakness. Stick with it. The goal? Explain the 1990s in exactly 60 songs. Tupac, Warren Hill, You Oughta Know, Cream. The greater goal? Move past cheap nostalgia to something deeper and weirder and better. My name is Rob Harvilla. I'm a music critic at The Ringer. And whether you're full of teenage angst or you feel bored and old, whether you don't know the song at all or you know it far too well, my new show will take you through the decade one song at a time. It's 60 songs that explain the 90s. Follow and listen for free on Spotify. with the great outdoor stocks now that we might have a COVID vaccine widely available by the end of the first quarter that is 90% effective. Thanks to the pandemic, we've seen a rush to outdoorsy stuff because it's safe from the virus. These stocks are now getting crushed, but I'm wondering if that's a mistake. Consider the case of Polaris, the maker of snowmobiles and all-terrain vehicles, although it's also got a military kicker. Now, late last month, Polaris reported a spectacular beat in raised quarter. The whole market was getting shelled, so the stock did nothing in response. Last week, it seemed to get its groove back, although it erased uh, those gains. It plunged nearly 9% today. Here's the thing. Polaris, the company, may actually be a COVID winner, but the stock has done nothing for the past three months. I think investors were already baking in and end the pandemic. So the sell-off makes no sense, especially with the stock selling for just 12 times earnings. And Americans know that a commitment to those who serve is core to our values at Mad Money. Veterans Day is on Wednesday. This is a great opportunity to get a closer look at how players are serving veterans. Plus, CEO and Chairman Scott Wine just happens to be an Annapolis graduate and a Navy vet. Mr. Wine, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, thanks for having me on. Great to be here to celebrate uh, Veterans Week and um, appreciate all you do to support the cause. Of course, Scott, of course. And I'm going to right up top say that I know when I'm on your calls, I always feel like they are run in a way that is rigorous as as if it's a battle plan and that your people know that. You bring up the names of your people. You bring credit to the call. Most people don't do that. It's about I, I, I. You're about team. Yeah, it is a great team. And, and, you know, I've I've brought so many leadership lessons from what I learned in the military. And, you know, we hire a tremendous amount of veterans here in 
And really, it's that same esprit de corps that, um, that I was able to enjoy was on a guided missile frigate so many years ago. And that's what we try to do at Polaris, whether it's for our military customers or our commercial customers. You know, we work hard to serve them every day, just like men and women serve in the fleet today. Now, I felt that uh, what's been going on is confusing for your company. Uh, you had spectacular numbers, but they would have been even more spectacular had your suppliers, in some cases, let you down. That's my own view. Not delivered. But now people are saying, wait a second, he's going to get all that supply and there'll be no demand. You know, Jim, it's not really a supply issue. I mean, our suppliers are working their tails off. We had earnings, you know, earnings were up 70 percent in the quarter. Sales were up 10. Retail sales were up 15 and we really think retail could have been up closer to 30 and given us a good market share gains if our suppliers had been able to keep up. But really, if you think about the demand we've seen, it's not fair to think that our suppliers could be able to ramp up their capacity 50% in a short period of time. So we're working with them. Um, we're giving them some of our employees. We're sending out some of our plant managers to help ramp up. But really, it's an all-out effort to be able to serve our customers and our dealers and get them the products that they want. So. Um, certainly, it's a challenge, but really, it's a challenge presented because of the unprecedented demand. We've had over 400,000 new people enter the Polaris um, portfolio this year, and it's those new customers that are going to drive the enduring demand because they want to bring so many of their friends in. So um, through October and even November, demand has been incredibly strong, and uh, we're working our factories day and night to try to keep up. I think the word that you picked that I want to highlight, enduring, is what matters. We, yes, we're going to have a vaccine. We hope, hasn't been proved yet. We hope it really does have 90% of the people protected. We believe that maybe we can even get one. You and I, maybe we get one in March. Well, that's the end of, snow, of, of snowmobile season. That's the end of off the, of off the road in a lot of ways because it's kind of nice out right now. I am thinking that why would we think that these businesses are going to slow dramatically just because we get a vaccine? You know, Jim, I don't understand how the market reacts, but I do know that we're going to continue to provide the right vehicles. We've got incredible innovation coming in the year ahead. I'm really pleased with the work that the team's done to keep our dealers engaged. We had our highest dealer sentiment surveys in the history of since we've been taking them last quarter. Um, so really working uh, to deliver on all cylinders. And we do believe that the, the new customers that are coming in are really going to work to bring their friends in. And really, there's been no slowdown at all so far. And, and we think, you know, certainly um, demand won't be up 50 percent next year like it has been for much of this year. But certainly up um, going into next year is going to be very strong, healthy demand for us. OK, I mean, normally I would say if demand's going to go down year over year, I would sell. But the stock hasn't had that kind of move, so I won't say that. Now, I am a boater. Um, you have some boats. Now, they are we have Brunswick going all the time. They are different boats. They're pontoon boats, kind of. Do people want those sell well? Jim, you know, we were really fortunate. We bought boat holdings. We got Bennington, which is the leading, the market leading uh, pontoon brand, and that's incredibly high quality. Um, ask Brian Sullivan. He's even got one, and um, really, it's a, a great product, and it's a premium product. And uh, we've seen sales. They've been able to manage their supply chain, which is a little more local in Elkhart, Indiana. Um, a little bit better. So they've had sales up, you know, 50 percent in the third quarter. So really doing wow. a nice job gaining market share. Um, and there's just a, a really strong demand because it is such a premium product. 
It's not your uh, grandparents' pontoon boat anymore. All right. Now, and speak to what, what you do for your defense uh, business, because I know as a patriot, obviously, if they call you, you're ready. Uh, Eleven uh, vehicles in 12 years uh, for military customers. Uh, is, is, do you expect a lot more business even with a, say, a Biden presidency? You know, most of our customers are in uh, SOCOM and, and um, the, really the special operations customer tells us what they want. And because of our ability to respond so quickly, and you talked about 11 products in 12 years, I mean, we give them exactly what they need. They can carry our products into battle, whether it's in an Osprey um, or a helicopter and drop it in and, and keep the soldiers safe. And really, it, we're not asking them to spend $500,000 on a, on a vehicle. It's something that's more or less disposable for them. So okay. it really does give the, the warfighter exactly the product that they want. And we continue to evolve that. Our M-Razor Alpha uh, will be a, a diesel hybrid with um, really many capabilities to take into the Arctic if they need it. And really, again, just designing that product for the warfighter, giving them what they want. We've been doing it for um, more than 20 years, and we're going to continue to serve them as a, as a great customer and a very important customer for us. Oh, well, next question. What do you do at the Army-Navy game? I bet you got some Army guys in your team, too. You know, I've got a, an Army guy one of our senior operations. In fact, uh, his son was smarter than he is because he went, into the, went to the Naval Academy, where my son is now. And, um, you know, certainly I, I think there's a great generation of uh, youngsters that we forget about sometimes that are just willing to serve the country and go in harm's way. And you know, really proud of, of what they do. And, you know, this year's Army-Navy game going to be at West Point right. and uh, really will be kind of fun. We won't be able to go. I think it's only going to be the midshipmen and cadets, but it'll be fun to go in and uh, get a win on their turf. Well, I like I, it's always better when everybody has an away game in Philadelphia, but I understand that would be a big win for you guys. Scott Wine, Chairman CEO of Polaris PII. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Jim. All right, guys, this show, this stock has come down right, as if, uh, no one's ever going to do an off-the-road vehicle again. I mean, that's kind of silly. We have a lot of disposable income, and I think it's something that a lot of people like to do. We have money's back in. What do we do with the defense stocks now that the election's over and we're looking at a potential Joe Biden White House with either the divided Congress or the narrowest possible Democratic majority? For most of the year, the defense contractors were weighed down by the possibility of a blue wave. Because Wall Street seems to believe Democratic presidents give less money to the Pentagon. But the blue wave didn't happen. And the reality is both parties love defense spending. Democrats in particular like high-tech defense spending. Which brings me to L3 Harris Technologies, one of the most tech-savvy defense plays out there. Think integrated missions, systems, intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance, space, avionics, electrical warfare, satellites, pre precision engagement sensors, drones. Even though L3 Harris reported a strong quarter at the end of October, the stock sold off because the whole market was rolling over on election jitters. Since then, it's come to really worry back. Surging 11% last week, another 4% today. Still, the stock's down more than $40 from its highs. I think it's got more room to run. This is the kind of stock I'm looking for. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Bill Brown, the chairman and CEO of L3 Harris. Get a better sense of where his company's headed and what he's doing also to help veterans find jobs. Mr. Brown, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, thanks for having me again, Jim. Glad to be back. Bill, I know you're a student of history, and I've been I'll listen to all your conference calls. And I think that you might be able to tell our viewers that there really isn't that much difference between Democrats and Republicans in terms of military spending. But the Democrats have favored the kind of defense, uh, let's say, intelligent defense that you guys provide. No, I think you're exactly right. I think uh, there's a there's a very strong bipartisan view about strong defense, strong national defense. 
we certainly know that from Vice President Biden. Uh, we certainly know that from the uh, the anticipated Secretary of Defense, at least the front runner, Michelle Flournoy, you know, very focused on a strong national defense, a pivot towards technology, things like you, you mentioned in your opening, artificial intelligence, uh, communications, you know, resilient systems, ISR space, all of those things are important and essential in the near peer threat that we have in the future. And they've stood tall to strong defense, and we expect that it's going to be the same way in a, under a Biden administration. I want people to understand that, for instance, let's use hard facts. Uh, the time it takes to decipher usable intelligence. You have come up with something, artificial intelligence and machine learning, that to me speaks for 21st century warfare. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. It, it, what the, the, the fight of the future is all about taking information from sensors and getting it to a shooter, a soldier, a, a platform, an aircraft in, in almost real time. And in fact, that's exactly what we're doing. We own that full chain from the sensor to the image processing or the data processing to the dissemination through resilient systems, you know, down to whatever weapon system that's going to take action and doing it in real time. You know, it's called, it's joint uh, all domain command and control. That's, the, that's sort of the buzzword coming out of the, at the Department of Defense. It's how do you move faster to bring information from our very sophisticated ISR systems to some action happening, some effect. And the things that L3Harris brings are the systems that connect all of that and do it in real time. Now, also, I mean, you, there's a line in one of your conference calls where you talk about, is the Laguna conference call, where you talk about the satellite business being a business that can be worth billions? Our satellite business is, is really fantastic. It's broad as space. So we do a lot in the, in the classified space. We do a lot in non-classified areas. So GPS systems, every satellite, that every GPS system that's been launched to date, including one that was launched last week, has content from L3 Harrison. We're very prominent on weather systems, the number one provider of weather imaging systems to NOAA. You know, but space is very, very exciting. It's a warfighting domain. It has become contested. It's being challenged. We have got large, exquisite systems that have become vulnerable. And the solution to that is disaggregation to drive resilience. So taking capabilities and spreading it out across a constellation, either through hosted payloads on commercial sats or small satellites. And we're a market leader on both of those areas. We see that to be a very strong growth opportunity for the company going forward. I have to believe when you're dealing with that high precision, high tech, that, that it would really help you to have people who have served to be able to say, listen, what we really need on the ground is this kind of radio. What we really need on the ground is instant, uh, instant analysis. And they, you can't do that without having guys from the military. No, that's exactly right. And we do hire quite a few veterans into the company. We have more than 7,000 veterans that work for L3 Harris uh, today. We've hired about 1,000 year to date. We have very rigorous onboarding programs. We have an employee resource group dedicated to veterans. You know, that mission knowledge, that leadership, that discipline, that, that sense of the mission and what's really required by the warfighter is so essential to what we do. We're so proud of the veterans we have. We thank them every single day, not just Wednesday, Veterans Day, but every day for their sacrifice to our country. Now, Bill, on the financials, your company's generating a huge amount of cash. I mean, I really felt that at one point when I was listening, I said, can they make another acquisition? I mean, they can buy back. They can do anything. Dividend raise. Your company is so undervalued, as you know, I think, given the fact that most companies are not are either thinking about keeping the dividend the same, boosting it only by a penny or cutting it and certainly don't have the money to make any acquisitions. 
Well, I think acquisitions are a little bit on the on the horizon. We're not really looking at it today. We do generate quite a bit of free cash flow. We had a fantastic quarter with free cash flow up 18%, very strong so far year, year to date. We raised our guidance for the year on free cash, and that's after significant investments inside the company in terms of R&D, capital spending, hiring of people, training of people. After all of that, we do generate quite a bit of free cash flow. So we're deploying that back to owners. So in the quarter, we bought back about $1.1 billion worth of stock, $1.85 billion due to date. We'll do more in the fourth quarter. And then the next year, we'll see buybacks of about $2.2 billion more or less. And on top of that, we're going to raise our dividend. We raised our dividend 25% in the last 15 months since we closed the merger with L3, between L3 and Harris Corporation. And we see an opportunity to raise dividends even into next year. Okay, good, because, I mean, you, you, you may not even be done rationalizing. You can still do more synergies. I just hope, uh, I don't know your successor well, but I just hope that you're part of it. Because I know that part of the deal was that you will step up to chairman in the, what, in the middle of next year? Yes, that's right. I'm, I'm chairman and CEO today, but in the middle of next year, I'll become exec chair. And Chris Kobasic, who was the CEO and chairman of L3 Technologies, will become the CEO. We've been working as partners shoulder to shoulder through the integration effort. You know, we've developed a strategy together. We, we've developed the portfolio shaping or the, or, the, or the strategy to divest companies, divest businesses together. And it's going to take over middle of next year. And it's going to be a smooth handoff and it's going to be fantastic. There's going to be no change in strategy as we get through next year. Well, I mean, look, I look at all of the, the general dynamics of the Lockheed Martin, look at Raytheon. Yours the one that is by far the cheapest and is certainly in the right spot for a Biden administration. So, look, I wish you the best of luck. I, 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 I'm glad you're staying on as executive chairman because I think you're doing a terrific job. Great to see you, sir. Thank you so much, Jim. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's Bill Brown, chairman CEO of L3 Harris. Now, if you're saying, listen, I've missed all the move, everything's too high, blah, blah, blah. When you look at this company, a lot of cash generation, dividend boost, buyback. I don't have many that do that anymore. Mad Money's back after the break. It is time. It's over the light mail. What's about and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dead. The light mail comes over. Let's start with Ron in Washington. Ron. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm doing yeah. well. How about you, Ron? Uh, yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm wondering what your, uh, what your position is in Cloudflare, NET. Uh, I think Cloudflare has too big a run. Uh, you're talking about low-balancing video streaming. Well, you know what? I mean, watch. Look what happened with Fastly. Uh, I, I want to take, take profits here. I, and I, I like coming. Don't get me wrong. The stock's too high. Denise in Minnesota. Denise. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Denise. Say, um, this company makes you feel good all under, and uh, with a new expanded champion product line, what do you think of Haynes brand? They missed the quarter so badly, I can't. I, I, I just can't cotton it. I was surprised. Down at 12 bucks, they have enough cash flow to make it interesting. But I'm looking for winners, not losers. There you go. Let's go to Dale in California. Dale. Sir James Kramer, you're our knight in shining N95. Wow. My stock my stock is Sorrento Therapeutic. Should I keep it or sell of it? Of my cities that I like in Italy, Sorrento is one of my least favorites. Uh, I don't think that you want to be in that stock. I think that we've now seen what it takes to be a winner in the space, and they don't have it, okay? They don't have it. I've been saying that for a while. Someone this today said, uh, on Twitter said, Jimmy, you love Sorrento. What happened? 
I, you know, I do shows and I talk about things and I change my mind when the facts change. Let's go to uh, UP in North Carolina. UP. Hey, Jim. Good evening. And I hope you're doing well. Doing fine. I hope you are, too. Good. Thank you. So I have a question about the cybersecurity company Palo Alto Network, PanW. Yes. And uh, I saw that uh, during August, even though they reported a good uh, second quarter, the stock kind of pulled back. And uh, one week before the election, when the, all the technology sector uh, got hammered, uh, PanW also got hammered substantially. Since then, it's trying to come back a little bit. But I have a question that given the consensus uh, analyst price target for this stock. Well, I don't know, but I've got to tell you, it's an incredibly well-run company. It's done a lot more to be able to make it so it's a soup to nuts, uh, whether it be premise or uh, on-premise or whether it be uh, remote. And I think it's a really good and well-run company, and I wouldn't bet against it. Let's go to Mark in Florida. Mark. Hi, Jim. Uh, I appreciate very much all the insight you've shared over the years. And I'm looking for some more now on the outlook for tractor supply, which I bought some three weeks ago, and then averaged down with an equal amount after it sank on earnings, but it got hammered today. What do you think well, I should do with it? Well, the quarter was not that good, and that surprised me, given the fact that if you say you did Scott's Miracle Grow, uh, Deer, almost everybody connected in their space had an unbelievable quarter. So the stock falls again because now we feel that that whole trade of going out doing uh, gardening, whatever, going rural is not going to work. If you want to continue to average down, which is not, look, it's a great company, and and Mr. Lawton should come on the show, I think there's going to be a couple of points down more. I mean, it's not a couple of percentage points down. So we have to be very careful with that one. Let's go to Ken in Illinois. Ken. Hey, Booyah, Jim from Illinois. Thank you very much for taking my call. Got it. uh, Longtime follower. My question is, uh, I'm a longtime holder of Viacom. Mm-hmm. Well, Viacom's done a lot of good things. Now, I, I deserted Viacom from my trust at the wrong time. I got tired and discouraged, and that's not a good reason to sell. Uh, I don't think it's seven times earnings. I don't think it's expensive, but it does not have a good balance sheet, but it's not that bad a company. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Now who's laughing? For months, we've listened to professional money managers mock the Robin Hood crowd, the mostly younger investors who've been making big bets on beating down stocks like the airlines. Over and over, her same contemptuous refrain, mark my word, it's all going to end in tears. And you know what? The pros were wrong. The moment we found out about the Pfizer vaccine, the recovery stocks came roaring back, just like this. Yep, the amateurs, the great unwashed, they got it right. Not long ago, I ran a panel uh, for professionals for the Robin Hood Foundation. That's different. That's the great charity about the power of these new investors in the market. I feared I would hear the same claptrap that these amateurs are a bunch of jokers who don't know what they're doing and will lose everything, just like in 2000 when the dot-com bubble burst. Nope. In fact, and these were really professionals, I mean, highest level. I heard the opposite. I got an earful about how these neophyte investors actually tend to do an impressive amount of homework before pulling the trigger, often far more than older investors who've been trained to fear owning individual stocks, single stock risk, because for decades the conventional wisdom said you should put all of your money in index funds. Today we found out that these neophytes knew exactly what they're doing. 
Just look at some of the most popular stocks that the younger investors purchased via Robinhood. First, there's the cruise lines, especially Carnival and Norwegian. Carnival soared 39% today. Norwegian was up almost 27%. The thesis here is very simple. The Federal Reserve had effectively backstopped their bonds. Yes, many understood that, which meant the cruise lines would be able to stay in business until someone came up with a vaccine. Well, now we've got a vaccine, and both, both stocks skyrocketed. Now, I can tell you, these are pretty full now. They're about as far as I think they can go. But you know what? I defer to the experts. Second, these Robinhood traders love Ford and General Electric. They piled into them back when the stocks were trading roughly around six bucks. For a long time, I figured they were just hoping to get lucky with low dollar lottery tickets. But now they're both at eight bucks and change. Ford's up another five percent today. GE gaining almost eight percent. Not too shabby. Now, you could argue they just got lucky. But I think they made a considerable bet on a pair of iconic American brands. They had faith that Ford and General Electric could survive the pandemic. And yeah, okay, so they got lucky. But you know what? Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Third group, the electric vehicle stocks. Oh, they love the Robinhood crowd. Can't get enough of these things. They, they keep buying fractional shares in Tesla, which has had one of the greatest runs I've ever seen, even if it's pulled back over the last month. They love NIO, NIO, the electric car company uh, that's commonly known as the Chinese Tesla. That's up nearly 1,000% since I've seen them get involved. And they adore Fisker. Yes, FSR. The latest Tesla challenger saw its stock surge 32% today on some positive research. I know I stopped fighting it. The best thing about these electric vehicle plays, this whole industry is now blessed by the president-elect. I think they've got more room to run. So please, the next time some genius money manager tries to tell you that it's impossible for regular investors to pick winners, that you should stay away from individual stocks, just stick to index funds because you're too dumb to run your own portfolio, I want you to remember that amateurs beat the professionals all the time. When the graybeards tell you it's all going to end in tears, don't forget, sometimes those are tears of joy from laughing all the way to the bank. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. 1980s New York. Five titans redefined the American dream. Helmsley, Bosky, Gotti, Trump, Giuliani. Greed was good, and they wanted it all. Empires of New York, narrated by Paul Giamatti. Series premiere November 29th at 8 Eastern, only on CNBC-TV.